Blog Talk Radio. Patty Holster and we're at K Wad Radio and we're alive and yeah, I know. It's been uh, you know, off and on and uh and here. Hey, I'm here with you. And, you know, let's uh well, we're so excited to have a, a brand new author here. Not a brand new author but she's definitely a brand new author to A Z Publishing Services and so we're very excited to have her. Before we do that, let's do a little business here and uh get a little promo. Come on out to the Hey Girls Americana Radio Show, hosted by Sean River and Carol Pacey of Carol Pacey and the Honey Shakes. All coming to you live on KWOD Independent Internet Radio, broadcasting from the Ice House Tavern in Phoenix, Arizona. All sound recorded and mixed by Vintage Note Records. Come on out, check out the show, and then visit the website at blogtalkradio.com backslash KWOD radio. We'll see y'all out there. We're, of course, going to be out there at KWOD radio on next Monday, and that's going to be our show, and it'll be at the Time Out Lounge in Tempe, Arizona. And we've got an acoustic guitarist. So it would be a lot of fun. You guys got to come on out between 8 and 10 next Monday night. So then, we're going to talk about um, our new guest. Angel Carling is on the headline, and we're going to bring her in here. She's from Palm Springs, California, now living in Arizona. She has three kids and five cats, so we love her for that. After years of denial, she's she's finally admitted that she is a hopeless romantic. And she had decided to bring that all into her young adult books. She's written three books before, Unbreakable Love. And since then, she's also uh, had Shackled, Becoming Burn, and now a brand new book called The Secret Keeper. Shackled won a Silver IPGA Award in 2012 and has been optioned for a screenplay. Angela, she, she says she likes to eat frosting off of her cake and leaves the rest and can be caught singing in public bathrooms just for the acoustics. We love her because she's quirky, and we love her book. So let's get on and talk about... Angela, are you there? I am. Can you hear me? <laughs> I hear you. Great. <laughs> did, you, did you hear my introduction for you? <laughs> I did. <laughs> How are you doing today? <laughs> I am I'm crazy, but you know, other than that, I'm, that's pretty normal for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, you know, uh, we're talking about your books, and might as well talk first about, and I'm going to get right into this, and, and I'm going to let everybody know, hey, we have a call-in number, 
is seven one four two four two four five. And honestly, you can you can call nine ten because we get excited when we have live callers. We follow over each other and uh, chat. Of course, the chat information down below. If you're if you're a little shy, but you have a question or you just want to comment, hey, you know, just tell her how much you love her books and definitely do so right underneath the show information. There is a chat, so uh, just type it in there, and I will, you know, definitely very quickly uh, give that information and pass it on to Angela. So let's talk about your writing first and what, okay. you know, and of course where you came from. We were talking a little bit about that, but give us a little, a little bit more about you. Uh, well, I'm, uh, I started writing, I think my first published book was 2011, and that was Unbreakable Love. And um, the story about how it came about is kind of interesting. <laughs> Do you want to hear that? Yes. Okay. Um, I, have a, I have a son who is autistic, brilliant, and he was in a kind of a self-contained gifted class for kids that were obviously very smart. And um, one day he came home in the fifth grade and he said to me, Mom, you've never done anything this hard in your life. Like, dumb thing to say, right? <laughs> but, yeah, I know, boys say dumb things when they're teenagers. Yes. Uh, uh, Anyway, he was cute, but I started thinking about, by the time he was old enough to remember, I was just mom. You know, he never saw me graduate from college. He never saw me. Um, I did some service work for my church and, you know, a lot of other things. And I realized he'd never seen me succeed in the business world or academically. So I said to him, um, okay, but I've always wanted to write a book, you know, I'll go ahead and I'll write a book during this year that you're in class, and I will see if anyone wants to publish it. <laughs> and that's how Unbreakable Love came out. And I'd never written a full book before, so that was kind of fun. <laughs> so you just said, you know, I'm just going to throw words to the wind, and I'm I'm going to do it. Yeah, I I just figured, you know, what what's the worst that's going to happen? Nobody will read it, or. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, but, sure, yeah. Yeah. But a good thing that you did find your your fan base, and that's that's always not nicer when you have people who actually read your work. Sure. Well, and you know what i i enjoy, I enjoy the adult genre. They're a lot of fun. <laughs> and of course, yeah, you got you got kids to fall back on. You can you utilize them as examples. And uh, you know, and their friends, of course. <laughs> I do. I have. I am surrounded with teenagers. I've got a twelve-year-old, a sixteen-year-old, and an eighteen-year-old who graduates in a week. Wow! So, yay! I know. <laughs> I know how that is. I have a twenty-one-year-old, so you know, uh, yeah. when he graduated from graduated from high school. Um. I think I probably never bawled more than that day. You know, he uh, came came over to he came over to me. His his dad was there, uh, you know, because we're we're divorced. But his dad was there. But he came over to me and he hugged me and he said, "Thank you, mom, for getting me through it all." Oh, it, 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 it choked me up so much, you know. 
There you go. <laughs> so it makes it all worthwhile, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. And you know what? I actually really like my older kids. I think they're, you know, they're much more of a companion than they are just someone that you're feeding. So it's kind of fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. So um, your kids apparently motivated you uh, to write, you know, to start writing a book. Sure, they did. So we usually ask what motivates you to write, but apparently that's now what motivates you to continue though. Now that you've done it, you obviously <laughs> that's the question, huh? Yeah. A lot of people say yeah. it's, it's interesting as an author because people will say, "I've always wanted to write a book," and. Yes. And uh, very yeah. few of them either do it or they write more than one. They write one and then they stop. Um, you know, I think it woke up something inside of me that was always very intrinsic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I go to these writers' conferences and and you start talking to people and they talk about how they, how they almost can't not write. Does that make sense? It's such yeah. a strong drive. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. that's, that's the way it is with me. You know, I always had a story in my head anyway. So I just started writing them down, <laughs> which works. Now, when you were in school, did you like writing? Um, did you do any of that before? I, I, well, I, I always loved it. Um, I'm terrible in math. Like, thank goodness for calculators. Um, but I always loved English. In fact, I TA'd for my English teacher, you know, and he encouraged my writing. But then when I got <clears throat> into my young adult life, I just was so busy with college, and then I had kids, and I dropped off for quite a while and didn't write anymore until I wrote this. Actually, I wrote kind of a practice book first, and then I wrote Unbreakable Love, and so until then, I hadn't written much. It had been years, so, but now I don't wow. seem to be able to stop myself. <laughs> there you go. Now, what made you decide on uh, a young adult romance? Uh, I think that's where my heart is. Uh, you know, I okay, there's two reasons. One of them is because I feel like teenagers are at this really pivotal point in their life, you know, where they're mm. they're so in, they're so interesting to me. They're they're making these huge decisions that have these big consequences, but they're so um inexperienced. So they're just really mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a psychology major. <laughs> I got my bachelor's in psychology, uh-huh. and so I guess maybe they fascinate me. <laughs> but um, another reason, too, I do like it is because it's typically a little bit cleaner um, genre, and uh, mm-hmm. I blush easily, so <laughs> that might be part of it. Well, that's a good reason. That's a good reason. And yes, yes you... Sometimes, uh, you know, we start writing and, and it seems to be something that we like to read. Is, is that something that you have uh, done a lot of reading of in the past? Uh, of, of YA, are you talking? Yeah. Yeah, probably. And again, I, I think I just really relate to it. Maybe I never grew up. Maybe that's the problem because <laughs> I sit uh-huh. around and talk with teenagers. <laughs> but... um which, you know, I guess wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but uh, I find that, um, this is going to sound so strange, but I find that older, 
uh, people who are so mature, okay, I'm immature, let's face it. <laughs> people who are so mature and serious, I just don't connect with very well. And so I guess I connect well with sort of the young, free-spirited nature of, of the YA genre. So there it is. Okay. Well, it's, it's glad that you had found your niche. And uh, so you've been writing for a while now. Uh, your first uh-huh. one, you said 2011. And then you had one almost every year. Is that right? Yeah, on average, yeah. I did take a little time off between Becoming Bryn and Secret Keeper. And, it, you know, it was it was good just because I spent that time learning more about the industry, um, which was, you know, I go to a writer's group and I'm online and I'm working with authors, both indie and otherwise, and it's that is the only way to really become a good author is to just immerse yourself in the in the in the uh, industry. I guess is what I'm looking for. So yeah, so I did take a little time off, but boy, when I wrote The Secret Keeper, I came back with a vengeance. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they. Um... I'm a real big advocate on writing groups because I think that, you know, we help each other. Uh, we learn that way. Yeah. And uh, I think it's important. Yeah, I think it's important that, you know, uh, you got to be able to take some criticism and that's a good way to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And learn, and well, learn they, from it. Learn, you know. When they can see things you can't see, you're so immersed in your in your viewpoint that sometimes you just, get stuck, you know, it's not that you're bad, it's just that you can't see what they can see. Oh, sure, you're too close to it. Yeah, I, right. I, I tell everybody, you cannot edit yourself, it's just not, it's not really possible. Uh, you can do yeah. it up to a certain point, you know, and depending on how how much you know and how much you learn through the years, you get better at, uh, you know, editing yourself. Uh, you I learned more about my own writing by editing other people. I just mm-hmm. I realized I that like a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, and going through that's all these lately. <laughs> right. I go, well, I'm like, okay, never do that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. And that's part of the reason I started my teen writers group that I sponsor because, oh, what I wouldn't have given as a teenager to, you know, have somebody to teach me how to do uh, that, sure. how to, uh, you know, yeah. So it's I just that's what's so great about it is they're learning to teach themselves. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. So would you say that rather than I guess a lot of people I do ask a question about researching. Uh, do you say that for your research was basically having uh, a lot of teens around you that you could talk to and learn from? That's part of it, definitely. Um, I, I, you know, it's funny when my teen writers come over, I have about 10 of them that actively come over in my teen writers group, I get a kick out of it because they're so natural at writing for the YA genre, and for me, I have to work at it a little harder <laughs> because I'm an adult right. now, but, <laughs> so I do learn from them, and uh, try not to be that creepy author lady, you know, picking up my kids at high school, watching people, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but then they yeah, they they like to hang around you, I think, because it, it's like you've already you're doing it, you know. Yeah, uh, you're out yeah. there making it happen for yourself, and uh, young women find that fascinating, I think. 
Well, I do find that, and I also find one of the reasons I'm doing this as well, both the writing and the teen writers group, is I want my daughter to know that she can do anything she wants to if she's willing to work hard enough. And to be truthful, to be a successful author, boy, 90% of it is just hard work. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, definitely. They, 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 you know, uh, so I had somebody say, well, why can't you just sit down and write it? I guess, as if that was that simple. Yeah, uh, everybody would do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, true. And it's I know industry. some people should not be doing it. So <laughs> I agree. It's, I agree. It's gotten a little easier. So um, let's talk about your characters because you know, okay. uh, you've got to, you've got to different books and uh, is there any of the characters that you emphasize with in any of your books? You know, I uh, I was thinking about that this morning. I think, you know, uh, in Becoming Bryn, Jesse and Bryn are sisters, they're twins, and one of them dies, and they accidentally, the, the police officer that's on the scene knows them personally, has lived in their neighborhood, and he actually identifies them incorrectly, and the one that lives is everyone thinks is her sister. And I think having grown up with a sister, I really relate to Jesse and Bryn because of their loss and their struggle and always thinking their sister was better. <laughs> you know, you always think your sister is better than you, especially like I had an older sister and she was, she's just beautiful and, you know, everybody adored her. And so anyway, you start thinking they, they walk on water and I can appreciate that. So, <laughs> I think probably those characters the most, but I I find that it, you know when when I when I'm writing the characters that I connect with the best are the ones that have experienced a lot of loss, a lot of deep loss, and the secret the secret keeper there is some of that as well. So I identify with Winter in there. Yeah, actually you start out right off the bat with a loss, so uh, that's interesting. Well, my mom. Uh, yeah, my mom died when I was. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying no. my mom died when I was quite young. Um, uh-huh. And then my then my parents divorced several times, and people who go through those things understand loss. So, and I don't mean that in a sad way. We just we understand it. <laughs> so. Right. Right. Well, that defines who we are. Right. Right. What we value and things like that. So. Yes, yes, definitely, and and depending on our you know, siblings, uh, right? How right. we deal with the family. So that's well, yeah, I, definitely I, definitely true. Well, I think it makes us better writers when we're able to go ahead and embrace the, the hard things that we've been through in our lives, you know, and go ahead and put them into our books. <laughs> it's a tortured writer thing. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. I, I, um, I'm a big fan of uh, Ray Bradbury, and oh, he yeah. had once said, oh, yeah. you know, that you have to experience something and then put it away as like in a jar, and let it ferment, and then one day you get it out and it becomes, you know, the story. It's ready uh, then. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I like that. He had these. He had these little analogies that just just were perfect, you know. (laughs) And they made sense. (laughs) 
I think the main characters in your stories, uh, who, who do you think, how did you come up with these main characters? Did you uh, think of them like celebrities perhaps or just random people that you just kind of mesh together to become that character? I think that's probably the latter. You know, I, I, I'm fascinated, like I said, I'm a psychology major, so regular people fascinate me. I know other people are so bored with it, but um, I think they're amazing. People are very complex. And they're made up of their experiences and their feelings and their perspectives. Anyway, uh, but I did find that when I was creating my villains, I'm a very optimistic person, so I would have to find someone I didn't like. <laughs> and I would have to base, like like in Shackled, I based um, my, the boy that's mostly a villain, you'd have to read to understand, but on a family member, an extended family member that I just, I just literally can't stand. <laughs> Isn't that awful? <laughs> Hopefully I don't want to say the name. <laughs> They're all asking, is it me? But um, because I needed to feel that sense of loathing towards that character. Oh, uh, yeah. In order to so, bring him a little more to life. Mm-hmm. You know, because if I don't feel that sense of admiration or loathing or whatever I need for that character, I find they're not as, uh, they don't have as much depth. Yeah. And I would have to say that you're, the the person that you are uh, running from, uh, you know, Winter's running from, the sense of fear from her was so real. Yeah. Oh, how yeah. did you capture, how did you capture that? You know, every everybody in their life has a villain of some kind. You know, whether it's small or big, maybe it's their own self. You know, maybe they're their own worst enemy. I think. Um, boy, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I captured it. I captured it because I thought of I, I thought of what she would be going through at that time. Without giving away too much of the storyline, <laughs> um, right, right. she was liter she was literally in fear for her life through a large portion of that book. Yeah, and I I think that kind of consistent fear literally changes how you and you just become so uh, stressed and anxious all the time that you're you're really no longer yourself, you know. So. Um, I also, you know what else I do? I use music. Um, for The Secret Keeper, I, uh, oh, really? the, the song by Katy Perry called, um, oh gosh, So You Want to Play with Magic, I'm trying to remember the name. <laughs> anyway, there's a song where she talks about, you know, so you want to mess with this, you don't know what you're getting into. It's, that inspired me. Music really does a lot for me, actually. Yeah, I, I know a lot of authors who tell me that. And, uh, you know, I've done that myself on a really intense scene. So you wind up finding this at right piece, and then suddenly it becomes something that's, wow, you know, mm -hmm. uh, something more than what you, more than what would have normally come out of you, I think. <laughs> right, right. Dark Horse, that's what it was. Sorry, I just remembered. <laughs> Dark Horse. There you go. Dark Horse, yeah. <laughs> so, right, what made you choose? You you normally have you know obviously some dark elements in your stories, but this one of course 
is actually more so, or at least based on what I have have read about um, your stories. What made you choose the the type of paranormal story and the type of character the actual Seeker Keeper entity is? Uh, you know, it's a very good question. I thought about that one earlier, and it's it is a hard one for me to answer, except to tell you that uh, secrets are very powerful. Uh, the unknown and the what's hidden, and because if we're hiding it. It's something we're either not proud of, the exception, of course, being like a birthday surprise party or something like that. But, uh, and everybody has something, you know, everybody has some form of secret in their life. And so everybody can relate to the fact that they have this hidden part of them or these hidden things that they don't share with the world. And I, um, in my own family life, there was a period of time where secrets literally destroyed my parents' marriage. And... I, I just, I just understand the magnitude of what secrets can do, and they also have a tendency to compound. Like one secret turns into another, and another, and another, because you're hiding um, until you get to a point where you're living a complete lie just to hide your secrets. So, I think, I think the reason that the nature of this one is more supernatural and maybe darker, if that's the word we're looking for, is because of the the topic matter you know it's it's about something that's hidden and secret and 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 sometimes evil so um and plus the super keeper's just really cool <laughs> she's, she's just this really cool creature you know that carries around you know years and years of terrible things that she knows about so yeah yeah yeah, I, I have to say that I don't think I've ever read a, this particular kind of uh, entity, so I thought it was very fascinating, the, the paranormal part of it. Um, Thank you. And, of course, that's just, just you know, what what we find more interesting. Uh, and, of course, the, the romance itself was, you know, it's nice and clean, so it's that you really like those kind of, you know, clean elements in your, you know, soft and clean romance stories. I do. <laughs> Are you asking me why? <laughs> no, well, I was. I would say, well, yeah. What what inspired you to do that? It you know. It, you know, um, when I started, I tried to I tried to write one, but I I tried to write one, but I can't. <laughs> well, part of it is part of it is YA. You know, part of it's because it's yeah. YA. And, you know, I'm not oblivious to the fact that teenagers can do terrible things. Um, but they have, a, they have a tendency to not be as involved in the darker things um, as a whole. But anyway, I, I think my biggest reason for writing softer and cleaner romance, um, part of it's to do with my daughter. When my, my kids were first learning to read, they were always really advanced in their reading skills. So by like fifth grade, my daughter reads at a college level, and my boys were the same way too. And I found that they go into the library, and the subject matter would be, um, you know, like yeah. the advanced reading subject matter was was psychologically beyond them, but they were able to read it. If that makes sense. So I started thinking yeah. about that niche, and I thought there's got to be something out there that allows kids that want to read. Well, and, and, you know, young adults study, too, because kids all the way up to, like, I have readers that are 60 or 70 that 
I've been waiting for the secret fever. <laughs> so, you know, I think I think everybody kind of likes YA. But, um, yeah, so part of it was that. And then the other part is I think sometimes people use sexuality and violence as a crutch when they're writing. Hmm. I, what do you think? Do you agree with that? Well, I, I would agree in some cases. At, you know, and I, I've read some really, really dark uh yeah, some dark romance before, and it's gone to point sometimes where it's too much, mm-hmm. and I, you know, it becomes not my cup of tea because it's like it, it you just now gone across the line, and I, I think it's, it's sometimes it's about it's about pushing that line, right? Um, and, and that's why I see with you know the, you know the grays. <laughs> some of the some of the romance that's coming out right now. Um right. it, it, again, it's about pushing pushing the boundaries. And uh sometimes the teens are gravitated to that because of that, I think. Right, um, right. Even even but, if they're not really ready for it. Well that's my question is, are these kids reading something that they because the thing is when I'm writing a teen book, a book written with teen characters I'm dealing with very tough topics. Like Shackles deals with teen abuse in relationships. Right. And, right. and you know, and i got to tell you, I have kids reading when they come to me and they say, I never want a boyfriend like that. And that's the reason I wrote it. My sister was very badly abused by, you know, a 19-year-old guy, which they're still basically teenagers at that point. And teen abuse is very common in high schools, but nobody talks about it. So... I don't believe that you have to write a boring, fluffy book, you know, to keep it no. clean. I think you no. can write hard topics. Um, secrets are, that's a hard topic, you know, things that we do that we feel disgraced or embarrassed about. You know, those are hard things to write about. But I don't think I have to be scintillating to do that. That's just my personal opinion, and I don't belittle anyone who feels differently. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, again, I got uh, some other authors who would... <laughs> Who agreed? Who think differently, and they like pushing the boundary. But you know, it, yeah, I think it's not necessary in some in a lot of cases. But they then you know then for some reason, so many people gravitate towards a particular book. How certain books became bestsellers? I you know I read them and and I'm curious why. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's right. the question that comes out of my head all the time. Why? And I want to. Find out why this uh, this is a national sensation, and I don't understand it. So, <laughs> well, so that's why I, you know, I see you on the other, you're on the other spectrum. You're you're soft and clean, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And yet, you've got dark elements. You got right. dark elements in right. the story, um, but they're more there for a uh, there's some point to the to the story. Right. You know, it's not just for it's not just for sex sake. It's right. because, so, of, because of that dark element. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, is uh, let's face it, you know, sex sells. <laughs> but yeah. the, thing that, <laughs> the thing that really has sustainability is emotional connection with characters. And right. I think it's, it's far more important for you to emotionally connect with a character than to, uh, because we're all wired for sex. That's just the nature of the beast. Um, yeah. But for, I guess just for me, I would rather tell a story that emotionally 
compels you to think about your own life. And that's what I love about writing YA is I'm able to do that. Because these are, you know, sometimes you treat teenagers like they're stupid, but they're not. They're very intelligent, capable people. They're just inexperienced. So, Right, right. And you did capture that in the story. Uh, there's, there's little scenes, little things that Liam would notice about winter, and it was just such a... I, I don't know. There's just something so precious about it. Um, the way her nose crinkles when she's sinking too hard, and and those things. That, <laughs> I just yeah, love Liam's that. Book, Liam's my book boyfriend. <laughs> oh, oh, there you go. <laughs> I have my yeah. husband that I love, and then I have Liam, my book boyfriend. There you go. Well, you know, Liam's inside, the, you know, he's got your character inside you. And uh, he's definitely, uh, of course, he, he winds up being a real real good guy at the end. And um, we got to have more of those, you know? Well, and you know what? In the, in, the, in, the, in, the second, in the second book that's coming after this, we really get mm-hmm. to see Liam's colors, which is going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. So. <laughs> Ah, well, here we just finished I the know. first one, and <laughs> I know. And I'm already excited about the second one because the first one's so fun. <laughs> and that's good. That's you know, we should be excited about uh, these these set of books, and 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 I'm excited to see where you're going to take it. Uh, I, for everybody to know, uh, the book is out, of course, and uh, we even have a tidbit, a little bit, what we call a little. Uh, secret keeper taste uh, at the end of the book you can read a little bit about what's coming up in the second book so it definitely it's good that way I'm going to talk now about your um, your location that you that you picked for the secret keeper Heber Arizona so why Heber <laughs> well my husband and I have a little cabin up there and it's a family owned cabin with my in-laws and um, it is just a cool community. It's it's small. I think there are 4,000 people now. And it's very heavily pined. Um, you, have to, you know, you go from the desert floor here in Arizona up the mountain into the pines, and it's it's just so refreshing. It's about 20 degrees cooler than in Phoenix. And mm-hmm. I, love, I love the setting up there because... Here in in our where I live in Phoenix, everything is open, big open skies, and and up there, the pines kind of make you feel like you're tucked into a forest. And so for me, that was the perfect setting for the Secret Keeper because she lives back in the woods, and you know she's really hiding from the world because. If people, when people meet the secret keeper, they almost feel compelled to spill their guts to her. It's uh, it's part of their makeup as the secret keeper when they wear that mantle. It's, I jokingly call it the Santa Claus effect, where you know people want to climb on his lap and tell them what they want for Christmas. Well, they want to tell the secret keeper all their problems, and then once they tell her, she's obliged. She has to ask, "Would you like me to take that secret from you?" That's part of her code of conduct. So. Um, she really needed to find a way to hide out, and there and uh, Hebrew Arizona is perfect for that. Um, and plus, I just the people up there are just lovely. I I love Hebrew. In fact, in July they do this huge Fourth of July 
celebration, and I'm planning to go up and take part this year, so I'm excited about that. Are you there? Hello? <laughs> Daddy? Hello? Daddy, are you there? Daddy? Are you there? Yeah. There you are. Sorry about that. I suddenly I'm going like I thought I lost you, but no, you lost me. So <laughs> there I'm you going go. like okay, I'm, I'm here. connection problem. <laughs> so we were talking about Heber and uh I, I saw a picture of you uh next to Leho Street in Heber. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh does 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 that street really look like the location, or you just kind of like it says the whole sheet was a cool name until you went ahead and used it. <laughs> a little bit of both. Uh, it is very heavily pined. You know, it's very dense. The pines are very dense there, and it is bumpy and rocky, like in the book. Um, I imagine on a cold, dark night, it's probably pretty spooky. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping the people that live there forgive me because <laughs> I'm, I'm making their street haunted, but. Um, and, you know, my favorite part is at the very top, it narrows to one lane almost down to a couple driveways up there. So, yeah, it's it's pretty similar to the book, actually. That's interesting. Of course, everybody's got to go yeah. to Heber now and check that out. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And I you... hope these people forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> Once you live on that street, are going to say, why are these people, like, going really slow in front of our house? <laughs> I know. <laughs> And they won't know the who they there, are. The people up there, the people up there are pretty nice, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and I just, I just thought the name was cool, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely something different. And uh, yeah, I was wondering how, how in the world you came up with that name, and I saw your picture, and I was like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. there she is. That's where she is. Yep. Yep. It, it is kind of cool to use some real place, um, in, in order to bring, I think. Uh, believability to the story? Are you asking if I used the real place? Again, well, you're, it was for you, the you, in- Go yeah. ahead, I'm sorry. Well, I mean, you, you used Hebrew, Arizona, and you used Leho Street, and I think that what that does is it brings some continuity and some realism to your story. Do you agree? Mm-hmm, I do. And, and you know, I... I, it's very easy when I'm in Heber for me to imagine these things happening. In fact, there's a part in that, in The Secret Keeper, where, um, I don't know if you remember, but Winter is taken to a place called The Shack. And I learned about The Shack. Nobody knows about it except for the teenagers. And it's a real thing. There's a place where the kids go. It's an old, um, uh, it's like a forester, forest service kind of cabin, and that's where the kids go to kind of get away from the adults. <laughs> so I actually learned that by visiting uh, Hebrew High and talking to the kids. And they said that there was a natural place. That is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's called the Shack. And, and, I mean, I don't know if they call it the Shack, but 
that's what they described to me. And so I, I put that in the story because I thought, you know, it's not something they would do in a small town. You know, they have this little out-of-the-way place that they go to. and Yeah, yeah, like a fort. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so everything so that you, things are real. And and that again, I think that does fun to realism in the story, and you know, especially when there's an unreal character, uh, the secret keeper herself, uh, right. being so right. interesting, and you know, you're thinking, okay, just making other realism around it makes it feel a little more real. Right. And, well, uh, and when spooky. <laughs> Yeah, well, and, you know, Winter and Liam were students at uh, the high school that had been together for about two years. They were actually people. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so there are a couple. Oh, I don't know if they're still together. They're all, they've graduated, but, yeah. <laughs> fun, huh? Graduated and, and probably went to ASU, just like in your story. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'll be just to see if they ever find the book, you know. Yeah, yeah, I hope they do. I hope they do. They'll be probably uh, squealing. You know, she's probably pretty excited. <laughs> yeah. yeah but I, I, mean, I did know I should say. They were... Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I did notice that in your story that you used a lot of color. Yeah. Um, references to color, whether, uh, you know, and when she, her herself, she's around red. Um, green and blue, blue especially seems to be a real big element for you. Um, you is this a descriptive vehicle for you, or was it just simply something by accident that that's, just happens? I I think it's because I'm a highly visual person, and uh, like you never walk into my house and find white walls. I just I need color, and I see color, and life is very vivid to me, and I. I think, you know, you pointed that out. I never heard that before, and I, I realized you're right. I'm I'm a very color-oriented person and I'm very visual. So I, I think it's maybe just the way I see life. As an author, it's impossible to take your perceptions out of your books. Of course, you try to be diverse, and but some of you come through. But that's, that's what makes books interesting is that no two are alike because no two authors are alike. So. Right. That's true. We're we're all different, and and that's why I just kind of, kind of noticed your uh, color usage. And of course, we, we you and I had gone around uh, around the block about a certain color. So um, <laughs> a blue house, uh, maybe. Well, maybe. Yeah, the, the blue house, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so I just thought, well, I wonder if she's using that for a reason. And uh, then I remembered the geraniums, and I'm not going to tell anybody what they're about. But right. Uh, so the have to read this book in order to see what we're talking about. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Yeah. Well, and I think maybe I think maybe as I was writing it, those were identifiers to me too. Um, and also, you know, when when Winter is going through some of these very intense emotional experiences that she faces in this book, I find yeah. things become very vivid and intense for you as a person. Like. If you think back on probably your most traumatic memory, there's things that you associate mm-hmm. with it because it was very intense. And that's kind of how I think it was for winter where she's noticing the the deep red of the geraniums and the, you know, the color of the stripes on the bee that stings her and things like that. So 
Um, and you never forget that stuff because it just stays with you. Yeah, yeah. It's and you're thinking it's a detail in the situation and and the absurdity sometimes. Um, with again the the beast thing, for instance, in that particular <laughs> moment in time, and you're you're thinking, what more? You know. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> poor girl. Yeah, she, so she's definitely pushed to her edge. <laughs> yeah, I I remember once um, it was uh, this a television show that had uh, three main authors that were interviewed. Um, J.K. Rowling and Stephen King were were two of them. And one of the questions the moderator asked is, if you had a dinner party uh, and you invited your your characters, you know, which characters would you invite? Which three characters? And, of course, J.K. said, obviously, her three main characters, mm-hmm. Harry, Hermione, and, and Ron, and he said, what would you say to them? And she said, I would say, I'm sorry. <laughs> She said, "I'm sorry, Harry, for putting you through such hell. I, you know, and we do that to our characters. Oh yeah, yeah. And you know, it's funny when I when I first when I wrote Unbreakable Love, I was I was so I didn't want to hurt my characters, you know. <laughs> and yes, they do mm-hmm. have they do face hard they do face hard things in Unbreakable Love, but nothing compared to Shackled. And, and, and then again, even more so in The Secret Keeper. So I, I think I got progressively more comfortable with abusing my characters as I went along. Wow. <laughs> I think it's that dark uh, it side you... that we hide. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it makes you wonder where, where you're going to go from here when it comes to that. So we'll be all interested in find out that. When um, you have ideas... To... Oh, in regards to... How far, because here you're talking about uh, when you first started writing, you didn't abuse your character oh, quite as much, but you've gone yeah. a, little, a little bit more so into each into each book. So I'd be yeah. curious to see yeah. where you are in a few years. <laughs> probably. Yeah, there's probably a line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I'll have to definitely reach out. And, of course, I, I think that she particularly um, took Harry all the way to the edge, you know, Right, um, <laughs> right. Poor guy, poor guy. But you know, he survived yeah. and uh, lived on and had kids. So there you go. Yeah, definitely defined who he was, though. And that, and, and that's true of. I think that's why we connect with characters. Is that's the same way in life. You know, when we face our hard things, that kind of defines how we're going to handle things. You know, are we going to fold or are we going to get back up and? try to fix it or yeah. start over or whatever needs to be done. So Definitely, definitely. Uh, definitely makes it different. Um, do your characters talk to you in your head as you're writing? <laughs> I have to admit they do not. <laughs> they do not talk to me. Um, I, I do think about them. I carry them with me, you know, and I I sort of place them in different situations. I often think about how they would... I find I'm more of a feeling-oriented writer. Um, I'll feel how they might feel. I've always been that... You know that little kid that, like, feels bad when other people are hurting? You know, I was that kid. Uh-huh. <laughs> which which was awful sometimes because, you know, yeah, when you get yeah. bad news or... Um, but my sensitivity has actually served me quite well as an author because I'm able to think of a character, which is obviously a hypothetical, and create 
real feelings associated with them. So I don't hear them talk, but I definitely feel what they might feel. So They're empathic then, almost. So that's good. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. The question would be, I said that you're empathic. Oh. That you have empathy <laughs> yeah. towards others. Yeah. I do. It's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, at least you're not a healer, so that you know that makes it even harder. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. be around sick people, and that's hard. Uh, I had a yogi one too; who just couldn't go to the hospital um, because oh. he just couldn't handle it. Yeah. Oh. Uh. Yeah, I could never be a doctor. <laughs> that would be just far too painful for me. So. Yeah. Uh, when you have ideas in your head, uh, you know, for new stories. How do you organize it, and do you start from the beginning, and or, or do you write down scenes and then finish it? Yeah, I have a lot of author friends that do that. They write scenes out. Um, I don't. I start at the beginning. I, I create a story arc, and I almost always have my ending within the first couple weeks. Like, I know what's going to happen. And that's what moves me along is the ending because I'm always excited to get to that end. I find with my writing, if you're reading it, you'll realize there's a point in my books where I'm all in because you can almost feel it in the writing. I don't know if you felt that when you're reading it. Um, uh-huh. But anyway, uh, I use the story arc and sometimes I do throw out like I'll, or I'll throw twists in. Uh, because all of a sudden they come to me, I'm thinking, what could this character experience to make this a more gripping story or more interesting story? And then that comes to me, and I I don't put it in the story arc, but I just kind of put it in my head, you know? So that's it. I'm not one of those people that, you know, writes everything out. I'm kind of a crossover. I, I have a skeleton, and then I work off that. Yeah, I I know some people who write outlines and they try to stick pretty much to it, and I think that's I'm not that kind of writer. I'm more a seat of a pants kind of writer too. Um, yeah. <laughs> although you know, have having some things written out, obviously your characters, you know, that way you don't uh, you know what they're going to look like from page one all the way through. Um, right. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I will look for pictures. I will I will get pictures of my characters. Um, but someone once told me, and I thought this was fascinating, uh, that the only thing we knew about Elizabeth Bennett, we didn't even know what she looked like. Was it Elizabeth Bennett I'm thinking of? Anyway, some of the great authors have not focused as much on their physical details as they have their attributes. And I thought, you know, there's there's something to that as far as people need to get a sense of them, but they don't have to be detailed down to every wrinkle on their skin. Right, right. Yeah, I, I tell my author, says, you know, you do not need to give me a running record of what these people look like as soon as we meet them. Right. It's, 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 right. Don't do that. <laughs> well, Read something readers, to imagination. Yeah, I was going to say, the readers are, they're reading because they love to digest it, and a lot of times they're going to carve it the way they want to see it in their head, and I sometimes would like to let them do that, you know, and um, the story is not mine once it goes out. It's no longer just mine. It's theirs, too. So I like it when um, I, I enjoy it when other characters describe the, the uh, my main characters. Yes, <laughs> how they see them. I want to know. 
Yeah, I want to know how they see them, what they think of them, you know? Right. Uh, I think I get, right. I get more out of that than anything. <laughs> right, like like you were describing with Liam in the car when he sees her fingers yeah. fidgeting and he knows she's nervous or, yeah, things like that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, he's attentive, I mean, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He 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 notices a lot, and you know he's he's really trying to make make the you know this work, and yeah, he's going obviously on not all the information. Poor, poor guy. Right. Uh, and uh, and I'm not gonna say anything more about that because it would be giving too much away. But I would say yeah, that everybody has much. Yes, it's hard not to not to say anything more about it because I think that you know they need to uh, reader needs to read um, what each character has to go through in order to help Winter and of course um, how many things you have Winter going through. So right, um, definitely right. definitely worth reading for that. And <laughs> so well done. Thank you. Especially, you know, even even her even her best friend, um, she calls her Alley Cat. You know, she, she's just such a fun character. Yeah, I saw her a little differently at first, and then and and uh, and it's because you, you again you gave the character a depth of character rather than this is what she looked like. Right. So. I saw somebody who I I knew from past in that position. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> she was very energetic. I'll give her that. So. Yeah, yeah, and I've known a couple of people like that. So it's you know, I I was more level-headed one, and they were all bubbling all over the place, and. Uh, <laughs> Planning out parties and all that kind of stuff with me. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, she's kind yeah, of the best friend you'd weird. want to have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I won't say anything more about that because I had a friend who uh, actually was, was more of a boyfriend snatcher. So. <laughs> I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and not that I think she'll be listening, but, you know, it's just, most of my friends who do know me know who she is, and so I won't say anything more. But I won't, I won't tell yeah. you who my relative is either. That I I named my bad guy after. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll get us in trouble, man. <laughs> yeah, I have to go to a reunion with these people next year. So, <laughs> I as I know you, you just moved and right. did your new house. And I had somebody else who moved, an author who moved recently, and she said that she had to have, uh, she actually chose a house based on the fact that the room that she would be writing in was just perfect for her. Did you find a place oh. that is comfortable for writing? You know, I, I'm, I'm so excited. This new house is the first time I'll ever have a physical office. And, I've never, I've always had to kind of move around the house and write in the bedroom and the kids weren't too loud there or whatever. Um, periodically, I'll actually go up to the cabin in Heber. Um, but this is a place where I can put up my boards and keep track of things and, you know, lay out my storylines. And it's just cool. You know, there's, I've got like three cat stands in here. <laughs> the cats all come in and follow me in. And, um, mm-hmm kind of hang out. It's a very serene place. I love it. I'm super excited. So 
And my dear husband, he put up a wall to create this room for me. Originally, it was one large open room, and so we split it in half, and he, you know, put up a wall for me so I could have my own writing space. So he's the coolest. There you go. And is, is your room, does it have windows? Is, do you like a lot of light, or do you, would you rather, if it's, you want it work? Oh no, I'm 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 I love light. I've got to have a lot of light, and I'm I'm frankly I'm a little bit claustrophobic. So, yeah, lots of light. Uh, I can look out on my yard and my green, and you know that's my happy place. So, now if there was a beach, that would be better. <laughs> <laughs> For all of us, you know. <laughs> Somebody yeah. says, so if you got away, where would it be to? And I said, I'm thinking the beach right now. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, it's the it's, beach. Yeah. I'm a Southern California girl. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. But, yeah, I'm, I just feel so lucky. This is the first time I've really had a place, and I was finding it. It was getting very, very difficult at the end to, to man because, you know, writing isn't just about the writing. It's also about marketing and managing and um, being right. part of the community. I have a lot of really good friends who are authors, so I feel very, very blessed to have a place now. So. Lucky me. <laughs> yeah, yes. I, I surrounded myself with them, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're a funny bunch, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. That, it's, I was just saying that to my partner earlier. So I was like, okay, what is it? Must be a full moon or something because everybody's coming out of the closet and just wants everything done at once. But <laughs> it's That's not going it to happen, guys. You have to get in line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you ever get writer's block? Because I have a lot of people often ask me that question. Honestly, I don't. I don't. I just don't get don't time either. to write. It's not just not the same thing. You know, the only thing that I struggle with, as far as some form of writer's block, is like you said, life gets in the way. You know, there's these yeah. stories of these authors that go and I actually have a friend that would go to hotels for three weeks at a time. I'm like, wow, how do you afford that? But, <laughs> but um, yeah. because when she was home with her children, it's, it's very hard to stay immersed. And the more immersed you, yeah. you are, the, for me at least, the better I write. So that's my biggest challenge is just being able to stay immersed long enough to get that, um, that, that passion into the writing that needs to be there. Because life has a way of yeah. kind of beating the crap out of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. So. Everybody's got needs, and and it's like okay, yeah. yeah. And so you just have to you have to turn everything off for a while, and in order to be able to do any writing. But uh, sure. sometimes I find that yeah, just going someplace else uh, might actually sound pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like and the, the cabin is wonderful for that. I have to admit, and uh, you know, actually, when I was writing the end of the Secret Keeper, I was up at the cabin. And my husband was there, and he walked in on me. And the very last, the last couple of chapters um, are are very um, emotional. And he actually came in and caught me sitting on the bed crying. <laughs> I said, I yeah, just finished the book. And, and I, and I, well, you know, I don't normally do that, actually. I'm a pretty happy personality, but it was just so sad and traumatic to me that I actually was crying. And I think... Just being there at the cabin yeah. kind of allowed me to, you know, really put my energy into it rather than worrying about what's going on at home. So. Yeah. Well, I, I you know, again, you guys are listening. Uh, you had to read it. 
in order to understand what we're talking about because it's uh, again it is an emotional roller coaster ride that she's going through. Yeah. Uh, and it ending you're going um I almost had to say bittersweet. Yeah, it is. It's very bittersweet. But you're not left angry or anything. It's just yeah. No. no. <laughs> well, maybe you are. I don't know. It I mean, depends on you and your experience. <laughs> well, you think you know it's, it's coming, um, but you know it's it's just how it had to end. Uh, and of course, it was obvious. It, it, you know, when you get to a certain point, you knew it was going to have to happen. Um, yeah. But you know, it's just again the roller coaster ride that you're going on with the character. And uh, and again, a bittersweet ending. Um, and of course, we can't say anything more about that because that totally that would totally give it away. But um, <laughs> so it's it's good to have something to uh, you look forward to for the next book. And uh, I saw where you started it, and I definitely agree. Um, yeah. And is that what's your cliffhanger? I'm sorry. Right. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not a trip cliffhanger at all, really. Um, but it definitely leaves it open. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And I'm curious, obviously. <laughs> about um, the coming? I've already, yeah. I've already um, got probably about 100 pages written in the second book. So I, I just need to be able to put my creative energy into it to finish, and I'll get it done. So. Oh, I'm not pushing you. Oh, no, I'm, I'm so excited. Trust I'll me. I'll let your other so, fans do that. <laughs> yeah. So, but, yeah, it's definitely, and you know what? The second book has is, is got a lot of the elements of the first where there's definitely a journey, and I have an ending plan that's just going to be pretty kick-butt. It's going to be a lot of fun. So <laughs> that's why oh, I'm wow. excited to write it. I'll have to get to that as soon as I can. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you ever have, uh, I'm sure you probably do, and, and of course you've got people that you're helping here, but what advice would you give them to with their beginning writers? Uh, well, and I, you know, as a writer, you always feel like you're growing, so I always feel dumb saying this because we're all growing, you know, but, you know, the biggest thing I find is uh, they need to just really continue to write and improve it. And like I mentioned earlier, a writer's group is really important. If they can find one or create one even, um, I'm amazed how many people want to learn to write if you just bring it up to them, you know. Um, But I even think people should just write for the just pure joy of writing, not even planning to publish a lot of times what they write. Um, I wrote an entire, I think it was like a 130,000 word book that I I just scrapped because as I went back and read it, I just wasn't there yet as far as having the professionality to publish it. But, boy, it was such a great experience. And it was kind of cool because I didn't feel that pressure of publishing. And I just wrote for the joy of, of creating characters and following the storyline all the way through. And so I would just say write. Just keep writing and keep learning and immerse yourself. There's a lot of good conferences you can go to. And also the side benefit is you'll be hanging out with people who love what you love. Um, and that just yeah. increases your passion for it. So, yeah, my husband used to joke Definitely. around that I didn't like women. I didn't like other women, and which is funny because I was raised by my dad. But um, 
until I met my writer friends and then I realized I just didn't like what other women were interested in. I just wasn't interested in it. So no offense to my friends that aren't writers. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I was saying that and uh, letting everybody know that you can be found on com bookstore. Uh, from there, you can get to almost anywhere else you, you need to find your book. It's in print as well as an ebook. Now, if your fans are online looking for you, where do they find you, Angela? You know, your best bet is to go straight to my website, which we are redoing. We're in the process of it, but you can still get the information on my old website. Um, just go to AngelaCarling.com. I kept it simple. And once you hit my website, there is a button to take you to everything from my blog, which, by the way, on my blog right now, you can win an ebook. So go enter. And, and um, also, you know, my email, every other way that you would want to connect with me. And I do love connecting with people who read my work. And I think people uh, inspire each other, no matter what the situation. So... Yeah, come and connect with me and find me, and um, I'm happy to interact however you want. There you go. Well, I'm so excited to have you on here because, you know, I've been wanting to, you know, now we got the book done, I wanted to definitely get you on here so that way uh, the listeners will be able to find you. And, of course, this is a gift that keeps on giving giving in that this goes into archive mode, the show does, and it, it everybody keeps coming back and they'll listen to absolutely all my shows for years. How and fun. So they'll go back and they'll they'll listen to shows from, you know, a year ago and uh and <laughs> and I and it, it, I can see that they did that and so it's kinda of funny. But uh so it's just great because it keeps on giving. I agree. And, and thank you so much for having me. It's a it's a pleasure yeah. to share you know, uh, authors are, we're funny little, you know, introverts and we spend our time writing stories so it's fun <laughs> to be able to go out and <laughs> sometimes yeah. I'll just go out and talk to people because, <laughs> you know. That's one reason I started the, the radio show because uh, I find the authors really suck at their own marketing. And yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like got to give you guys a platform in order to talk because again, otherwise you, you sometimes will stay behind your books and behind the computer and not really get out there and talk to people and that's to do. I don't think you particularly have that problem, but I know a lot of authors who do. <laughs> well, and you know when we when we put our passion into this work, like the Secret Keeper, it's it, there's a joy that comes from sharing it and and um not to mention it keeps you motivated so <laughs> you're like oh somebody is yeah. reading my work so yeah so but i am really excited i think this book's going to do pretty well and um if nothing else it'll just tell a great story so well i would say all my pop culture friends would uh, you know you guys you think well you know you're not going to get into why romance but honestly I think the paranormal elements in this particular uh, book would definitely keep you all interested. And I wouldn't say that just because I know Angela. I would say so because I know you guys. So get out there and get the book because I think that you're all going to love it as much as I did. And I'm saying well, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's nice. Thank you. And, and the fun thing is the paranormal is even going to get thicker in the next book. So I'm 
you know, here we go. We're going to really take this journey all the way to the end. So, Yes, yes, and I'm excited to be part of it. So with Thank that, you. I'm going to say... I'm going to say good night. Thanks so much for for spending some time with us. Thank you, Patty. I do appreciate it. Talk no to problem you at all. Bye. Bye bye. Let's see. Yeah. Well, that was Angela, and we're so excited to have her on board. And and uh, again, all the top culture friends, I want to go over the calendar before I leave you for today. We got a lot of stuff coming up, don't we? I mean, it's crazy. Um, yeah, we got some books coming in, and uh, Secret Keeper would just came out uh, last week, so uh, definitely get your hands on that one. Uh, we also have Reckless Ambitions, the, uh, and that one's going to be, have a its own book launch party at Imperial Post. Uh, many of you uh, uh, gamers know where you know Darren out there, Imperial Post. Uh, 4920 West Thunderbird Road, and that is on Saturday, May 29th, 23rd. I'm sorry. Saturday, May 23rd from 12 to 4, and uh, obviously we'll be out there. Uh, and AD Publishing as well as WAD Media. And that's on that weekend, that's the next. Tomorrow is the, or no, this Saturday is the Publishing Marketing Meetup. Uh, definitely look, and we're talking about the writers group that we were out a few minutes ago. Uh, this is uh, an extension of the of those particular media groups, and uh, said so you know what did writers do once they get done with the book? Um, I said, well, obviously you're going to publish and market it. So I extended that and made it its own media to actually extension of those particular media groups, and uh, that is from 12:30 to 2:30 every third Saturday. On next Wednesday, we will be on KWOD Radio with John Paul Reed, the author of Reckless Ambition, by 30, 6.30, with your time. And then next, on the 25th, we'll also be on KWOD Radio. We're talking to all the writers that Asian publishing new authors and uh, some authors that you guys are going to meet at Phoenix Comic Con. So definitely want to come up, uh, and listen to that 5.30 again at regular time. And we can't forget next Monday, which is, of course, the Hey Girl Show. That's our regular mu- independent music show. It's a fiercely independent music. And that was from 8 to 10 p.m. And right here on KWOD Radio as well as uh, you can come live and listen to the show being produced right there in the spot. We'll be out there. Uh, Arizona Dreamin' is on the... Uh, starts May 27th. Arizona Dreamin'. Uh, this is a book signing. And you also have Building the Dream, which is uh, an extension of Arizona Dreaming Romance Convention. And so it starts on the 27th at 7 o'clock to 8.30. We have a book signing. I'll be out there with my books. Um, including writing ones. So if you want to talk about your writing as well, come on out and see me. And then on, obviously, Phoenix Comic Con, which is a big, big monster of them all. 
starts on May 28th and goes all the way through Sunday, the 31st. Uh, dream Building the Dream Convention is at the same time, different part of the of Phoenix. It'll be at the uh, 4415 East Paradise Village Parkway, and that's in Phoenix. Um, and on the Thursday, the 28th, they're going to have a uh, trade show from 6 to 7.30. Again, I'll be out there. I'm going to be out there with three authors, um, T.M. Williams and Angela Carling, who you just, just met today. Uh, her book, The Secret Keeper, you can get live and have her sign right there in a spot. Uh, 6 to 7.30 on May 28th on a Thursday. And then on Friday, Building the Dream Romance, I'm, uh, Asian Publishing is actually doing a pitch session from 3.45 to 5.30. We are taking pitches for romance books because we're expanding our romance line along with uh, nonfiction. So get your pitch on and come on out. And talk to me. I'll be at Phoenix Comic Con all day uh, from, nine, from 10 to 10 on Saturday, May 30th. Be in the room, and obviously we have a booth space. And I wish I could tell you the number yet, but I don't. Phoenix Comic Con all day on, on Sunday, the 31st as well. And then Designing Technology for the Near Future. Conference. It's a mini conference. It's half day from 1 to 5 p.m. at Game Playing Chandler at 260 South Arizona Avenue in Chandler. And uh, that is going to be about, again, about designing technology for your future. Everything from drone technology to space colonization. So come on out and get the different subjects. As we're talking about um, batteries, you know, the, the test, new Tesla battery. Uh, news that came out recently. And I'm going to stop there because I have all sorts of things coming, coming up in in June, but the one thing I want to say is Leprechaun is um, 26, 27, and 28th. That's Leprechaun 2015. Definitely take a look at their website because they've got a lot of really cool um, guests this year, uh, including uh, Ken Kelly, who's is the artist behind the most famous, or one of the most famous uh, uh, cover albums, music cover albums of all time for Queen. And so definitely take a look at leprechaun.org backslash lep, L-A-P, 2015, or just go to leprechaun.org. And you will find the 2015 uh, link there. Um, it'll be a uh, really great time all that weekend. Again, that's June 26, 27, 28. So with that, I'm going to say good night. That way, I can have dinner myself, and I don't know what you guys are doing, but um, have a good night. And we will see you next Wednesday, same time, same bat channel, same bat time. <laughs>